0: Dave Hale is a comedian, writer, musician, actor, and radio host and man about town, originally from Cleveland, Ohio, but now living in New York City. He's also one-quarter Canadian, thanks to his grandfather, and he's always had a fascination with Canada, a fascination that he explores in his new book, Parking the Moose, One American's Epic Quest to Uncover His Incredible Canadian Roots. And all the way through the book, you and welcome, by the way. Oh, nice to you. see you. Thanks for having me. Uh nice to have you on this side of the border. Yep. In your in your ancestral home. Yep. Good to be here. Uh one of the things you say about this is uh you wanted it to be the most definitive book about Canada ever written by a non Canadian. Yes. And so just I mean, your grandfather was a Canadian, but you know, you grew up in ohio which you know there's just not a border state it's not you know you don't have a lot going on with canada why the fascination
1: well you know growing up well as as you probably know in in america we're we're raised to believe that america is the greatest Mm -hmm. and just better than every other country in every possible way and you know i think it's that sort of thinking (laughs) partially responsible for what's going on right now in america and, uh, but, but, you know, growing up, I, my grandfather, every Sunday at dinner would have, you know, at every opportunity would, would always say, Canada's the best. <laughs> and so I grew up thinking, well, Canada is the superior country and America is just kind of bringing up the, you know, the rear or whatever. <laughs> and, um, so I, I always had a fascination with Canada, just hearing him talk about it. And I think... Probably in an attempt to ingratiate myself further with him. You know, we we were all my similarly design cousins we were all thrown out on the ice and when we were you know, could barely walk. Yeah. Um, which is not typical in America. <laughs> but we you know, it's no choice. It was just his like as yep. a rule.
0: You're gonna be playing hockey so, now. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So I you know, I, I started playing hockey and, you know, I, I stuck with it and uh you know, and then that led to a fascination with, you know, I worshipped all these players growing up and, and you know, knew what towns they were from, which, you know, which is kind of what led me to some of the things in this book. Is, is, so it's a mix of, of uh, yeah, exploring these childhood ideas and notions I had about Canada and fascinations as well as the fact that Americans in general don't really... Despite the proximity, don't really know a lot about Canada and haven't really been, you know, I, I don't, I've been, I can say I've been to Saskatchewan. I don't know how many Americans (laughs) can say that. I don't know how many Canadians can say that. I've never been to Saskatchewan. So there you go. I've been
0: pretty much everywhere else in the country, but I I don't think I've ever been, I've flown over it Uh and I've possibly driven through part of it. Yeah. But but that was when I was young, and I don't recall. But Missing out. Missing out. Well, it, it's interesting, <laughs> you know, you say about how Americans don't really uh, give Canada a second thought. And, and in a lot of ways, uh, you know, that I think is true. There's an old joke that says, if you ask an American what they think about Canada, they say, well, we don't. <laughs> Yeah, we, we don't think any because we just simply don't think about Canada, you know. And and there was a an era that your grandfather would have come up in, and and probably your parents too, to a certain extent, of like American exceptionalism. Everything yeah. that was happening in the world seemed to be coming out of. It. We're going to the moon. We're doing, and it just felt in those moments, like between those borders, uh, that everything was happening. So why look elsewhere? Yeah, and I mean, I still
1: think there's, you know, I think. What less than a third of Americans even have passports, mm-hmm. you know. Less than that have even left the country, and you know, and even in, within America, there's a lack of curiosity mm-hmm. about the rest of America. You know, <laughs> uh, it, it, you know. I think most Americans,
0: I, you know, I know people have barely left their state. Yeah. You know. Well, so you must. You live in New York City. You must know those people that just haven't been off the island. In years. Oh, yeah. You know, like people that just never leave Manhattan. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, it's,
1: I imagine, same as Toronto. You can, you can, I have a lot of
0: wild adventures never leaving. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, what kind of, of research did you do before starting this book? I mean, it sounds like it's been a lifelong thing that you've been moving towards us for a, a long time. But, you know, how did you choose the first place to go? How did you choose? Why did you go to Saskatchewan? Well, Saskatchewan, I mean, there, there are sort of reasons behind each
1: specific destination, but Saskatchewan was just the... I, growing up, you know, I really liked uh, Clark Gillies, who played for the Islanders, and he was from Moose Jaw. right? And, I, you know, I, I knew the towns where all these you know, sort of the 80s yeah, yeah. players were from. And, and Moose Jaw was just, that was the top of the list for like this, sounded like this magical, weird <laughs> place, Moose Jaw. So honestly, having nothing to do with this book, my whole life I was like, I will get to Moose Jaw. <laughs> and so, I mean, as much as, I, you know, the many reasons I definitely wanted to write this book and was, curious about the things I wrote about and discovered and, you know, on a small level, when the opportunity arose, I thought, oh, this is just a scam to get to Moose Jaw. <laughs> like, I'm just going to get someone to pay for my trip to Moose Jaw after all these years, and, you know. So, um... And was it the magical place you had hoped it would in be? In many ways. Yeah. I, I mean, there. well, first of all, they have a giant moose, Mac the Moose, <laughs> and that alone really was worth it uh i'm easy, i mean to be fair i am easily entertained <laughs> and you get a very large moose i'm in I um but i had I, I had a lot of fun and uh and you know part of the fun of the book was just kind of as i did it you know people would kind of reach out to me And in a, in saskatchewan uh there's a uh First Nations filmmaker Trudy Stewart, who was followed me on Instagram and was seeing, like, what are you doing on, all over Canada? Because I kept posting these photos. She said, yeah. what, What's what's going on? Because it's not normal for an American to just be yeah, yeah. showing up in <laughs> Winnipeg or whatever, uh, or Clinton, Ontario, where my grandfather was from. So, you know, I, I said, oh, I'm working on this book. And she said, Oh, when you, you know, if you come to Saskatchewan, let me know. So she ended up being my Boots on the Ground and um, Moose Jaw and, and Regina. And uh, so I had a lot of experiences like that, uh, just
0: meeting people. I love you. You mentioned Winnipeg. And uh, the words low-key come up a lot in the book. But my favorite, <laughs> I wrote it down, the low-key models in Winnipeg. Oh, Fantastic. Well, that, yeah. is a fan, that is maybe the most Canadian description ever of, of some of the low-key models.
1: Yeah, it, well, I think that was from. I read it in like a Yelp or something description of this place called Bar Italia, yes. which um, was yeah it said like it's a place for filmmakers and low key models. And I was <laughs> like, I have to get to the bottom of this. And then it turned, I uh, a bartender at this uh, this comedy club in New York. I didn't know she was from Winnipeg and I and uh and she I said, Do you do you know Baratelia? That's where the Loki models hang out. <laughs> she said, I, I do know Baratelia. I'm not <laughs> sure about the Loki
0: models. <laughs> You, uh, knew a number of, I mean, there's a lot of Canadians living in, in New York, but mm-hmm. uh, you played, uh, in a band with a guy from Halifax. You played. Yeah. Mike with, Belitsky. Yeah. From the Sadies, In Mercedes, right? Yeah. And, and the bartender. So you must've gotten some tips on a Canadiana from, from those people. I know the Halifax trip was something yeah. that you had always wanted to do because of him talking about yeah, because, Halifax and Haligonians. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh,
1: yeah, Mike Mike Bolitzki is from there and so he would always talk about it and it sounded like I mean it was it was just amazing to you know playing with Mike he was a musician Andy grew up playing hockey yeah. and and I was like oh my gosh and uh you know and I met someone and right before I went to Halifax there's a musician David miles who is from lives there I believe or mm-hmm. is from there one of the two and but he gave me all sorts of hot uh Tips he told me about. I mean, now even by the as I was writing the book, the axe throwing craze of North America Mm -hmm. was underway, and now it's everywhere. You know, you can't leave the house without dodging an axe. (laughs) But when I went there, it was I. I had never heard of this. It was just starting.
0: So yeah, and David Miles said go throw some axes so i did i grew up down there and oh you did yeah i grew up in nova scotia and the idea of axe throwing seems perfectly in line with the character of the people i grew up with like it's just something uh, like slightly dangerous kind of nutty, yeah uh but you know super fun at the same time
1: yeah i mean it, it and it was and it sort of delivered i mean i mean i admit to kind of Wanting these sort of fantasy Canadian scenarios, so to go to a place where people were drinking beer and throwing axes, <laughs> and everything was painted plaid, uh, I was like, "Well, yeah, this is this is what I'm after." Yeah, and yeah. you know, I I'm I'm not ashamed to admit it. <laughs> and, and and how did the axe throwing go for you? You know, it's harder I, than it looks. It's harder than it looks, and I have to admit, uh, it's sort of like. A lot like a bigger version of darts, really. Once you get going, and I get pretty bored with. I just like to hang out and have some beers yeah. and chat. So Without the we threw axes. a few axes, and I was like,
0: "This is cool, but let's just focus on drinking." <laughs> <laughs> My uh, the the one thing I've thrown axes once, and the thing you have to be careful about is the bounce back. So if it hits oh, the yeah. back of the axe against the wood, it can come winging right back at you. Yeah,
1: but you know. Listen, that's, that's part Darwinism. of the danger of it.
0: Yeah. So Clinton, Ontario, this is kind of the ancestral home. This is where your, yeah. I mean, your great grandparents, I guess, came from Ireland to Halifax and then, yeah, well, my then settled around. Great, yeah. Well, various, yeah. <laughs> That's the gist of it. That's the, yeah. And then they moved around. But the, your grandfather, who sort of inspired this long mm-hmm. journey that you've been on uh, to discover your Canadian roots, grew up in Clinton, Ontario. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I live in Toronto. This show's heard across the country. So uh, I'm sure that a lot of people aren't familiar with Clinton. What's it like there? It's, it's a delight. Um, it's pretty much. One
1: intersection, as best I can tell, but there's to, to be fair, there's a lot of action on that intersection. <laughs> uh, Clinton is Canada's home of radar. There's a giant radar there. Really? Yeah. Like a giant radar, dev- like a statue of one? No, like no. an actual mass. I don't know if it's plugged in. It might not be plugged <laughs> in anymore, but there is a massive... Uh, it's where I had my first maple leaf cookie,
0: mm-hmm.
1: a homemade one, not those those fancy store-bought kind get at the airport um i'm i'm fine not having any more of those but um but no it's he grew up on a on a farm there uh and it was originally they were just 10 of them i think and this just a little barn basically and then eventually as things picked up they built a, a big house that's still there and uh he had eight brothers and, I mean, it was a time, it was, would have been, <clears throat> excuse me, like early 20th century when, you know, there'd be stories like they one of them just died and yeah. it, that was just the cost of doing business. Yeah. Like, yeah, winter came. <laughs> We're not going to come back with everybody. <laughs> and it was just like kind of like, yeah, it's gone. It's a different time. Yeah, it was a different yeah. time. You now, Now, you know. Yeah, that would uh, shake you up for a couple of weeks. Yeah, but... you got to go to the hospital.
0: Yeah. And, uh... But then I think they just threw him off back. <laughs> and was part of this, you know, a, a, a personal journey of exploration, of like learning about your family and all that sort of thing? I mean, that's the sort of the, the bigger thread here, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And just sort of, uh, yeah, it's, I'm just, there are just so sort many of, yeah, learning about my family and like learning what, you know, you, it, there's so much effort especially with with Americans to you know go like oh we are relatives from Ireland let's go over there and get right. drunk you know <laughs> i wanted to come to Canada to get drunk <laughs> but uh yeah i you know I, I, yeah i was just wanting to explore and see what where he came from and he he went to winnipeg when he was not to bring drag Winnipeg into this mm-hmm. again, but he went to Winnipeg when he was fifteen to work in a shirt factory, which is just sounds insane to me. Yeah. And but he did it with the idea like I'm gonna learn about shirts. And then he, that's what he did. He was a, was a shirt. A shirt haberdasher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he and eventually went into uh, golf attire. And I've I've pictures of him with like Jack Nicholas and like a bunch of handsome golf sweaters and he famously said to my dad I think uh, my job will always be secure because no matter what happens people will always need golf attire which was <laughs> pretty an amazingly delusional thing to say but he was he did quite well I, so I would have maybe he was shirts, maybe he's
0: just shirts in general people will always need yeah, golf attire no, seems a little golf specific.
1: attire like loud cuz you know his it was really in the 70s when as you know 50 60 70s when he was really uh at at the top of his game and that's those are some pretty serious golf outfits absolutely so uh and I have some I have some of the sweaters to this day very handsome
0: you're also a musician mm-hmm. uh and triumph a name yes. that that every Canadian rock fan knows uh, sure. plays kind of a, a, a role in your early love of music. Yeah,
1: well, they were, I mean, because I would just, you know, coming from my grandfather, I was kind of probably seeking out Canadian things more than the average right. American kid. <laughs> so, you know, when MTV came along, you know, as a little kid, like, it triumph was on. we like, what's this? And um, yeah, Canadian power trio, who to my mind are more Canadian than Rush, because Rush became it's controversial stuff. I know this is dangerous, but Rush were already huge in America, mm-hmm. which to my mind
0: uh, robbed them of their some of their Canadianness. But they, the but they, you know, I literally see Getty Lee at the liquor store like they oh, they that's amazing. they live and breathe here. I mean, Alex Lifeson has a place in Florida, mm. but uh we'll forgive him that. the weather's nice, but yeah. other than that they they actually live here. So, yeah. You know. Yeah, that's
1: that's pretty wild. I, I respect that. I mean, yeah. there's so many I mean, great Canadian bands. Voivod, yep. uh Sloan, Sadies, Danko Jones, uh Broken Social Scene. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of great music. Absolutely. Uh, new Swears, my new favorite Canadian band. I don't know them from Ottawa. Yeah, yeah. The Blue Swears, I will look. at. Them. No, the New Swears. Oh,
0: New Swears. They're playing in Toronto Saturday, I believe. Uh, well, I will keep an eye open for them. Um, so, uh, the the Rush thing is going to be controversial. I know. It's, I'm it's, going to I'm going to throw that out there uh, for people. This is the kind of heresy I can mean, go. When an American I could say a lot more
1: upsetting things about Rush. <laughs> I mean, I, I have great respect, mm-hmm. and I'm a fan, but uh, but they, it's, they don't fully penetrate my. Uh, well, I don't. I don't think. I don't. Uh, it's not my. It's not your thing. Not fully. Like yeah. I think there's. J- uh, See, I, br- when some of it comes on, I'm all in. But if you. I would be hard pressed to really go the distance.
0: Well, growing up here, they just toured so relentlessly, and they played everywhere. Mm -hmm. And so I grew up in Nova Scotia in a place called Liverpool, Nova Scotia, which is 200 miles away from Halifax. So that's where the bands came. Yeah. So you drive the couple hundred miles, and and the first big rock show that I saw was uh, Max Webster opening for Rush, and uh, that that was for me a moment that i will not soon forget oh i don't doubt that it was awesome i mean rush powerhouse live you're a quarter canadian we can we can claim you if we want sure i mean
1: i i don't want to spoil the book but (laughs) as towards the end i found out that i it i might be more than a quarter that's all i'll say we don't want to give anything away. but it's really uh it'll blow your mind when when you get to the end of the
0: book, so find you, out what I found out. So you had your book launch in New York. Yeah. And you best. had Canadian food at your book launch. What did they have? To
1: some extent. Yeah. We did. We we had salmon and we had – there's a, a deli in Brooklyn that uh, specializes in Canadian food and has – so there were – Approximations of Montreal right. bagels, right, right. Um, though I know that's crazy. Yeah, uh, that's like comparing plain. Rush and, and triumph. Yeah,
0: you, yeah. you can't. I, yeah.
1: I'm just say they attempted. <laughs> um, but they
0: specialize in Canadian food.
1: They have poutine, which is most the average American has no idea. Mm-hmm. What of
0: the joys of poutine?
1: Yeah, and also, but also, and and I'm I'm. Uh, I have very low poutine standards. I know that I sh- that you shouldn't eat it outside of Quebec or uh, what I'm told is my friend Niels calls "curd country" mm-hmm. in Ontario. But I had it last night here in Toronto, and uh, it's delightful. It's
0: not hard to find here. There's a, there are uh, there's a chain. There's poutineries, They call them everywhere. But the place to go. There's a pool hall behind the Hyatt Hotel where Just for Laughs happens in Montreal. Uh-huh. And uh, you go just back outside. There's a fence you have to go around. And there is a pool hall that's been there forever. I don't even – it's just the Montreal pool hall, I think. Mm-hmm. They have the best poutine I've ever had in my life. Oh, wow. Yeah. All right. I'm going yeah. to be in Montreal in a few days. Yeah. It, I'm on it. Hyatt Hotel, right behind it. It's near uh, Club Soda. Look for a place called Club Soda. You will find it and you will like it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you did a podcast called So You're Canadian as yeah, well. Yeah, I'm still, so, still doing it. Yeah, yeah. so Danko Jones, I listened to that uh, episode. There's, there's lots of of Canadians that you spoke with. Uh, what did you learn about the Canadian way of life from that?
1: From I'm that? still, I mean, that's a work in progress. So I'm still learning. Uh, you know, the most recent um, episode was with uh, Dwayne Andrews, a... Uh, a New, Newfoundland musician, and he uh, he taught me about... I learned a lot about cod. Yep.
0: And Kissing uh, the cod. Do you know about kissing? I knew the
1: about that because yeah. I actually went out with him uh, in in uh, in, in St. John's, and he said, I think you can skip that. He said basically that was like kind of a made-up thing to get a tourist uh, tourists yeah. worked up. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he didn't allow me to, you know, sink to that level. But... uh No, it's, it's, I'm learning all sorts of things. I'm learning about about the beef between Eastern and Western
0: Canada, which I never saw coming. Yep. Um, And then again, Eastern Canada against Ontario. It's kind of the entire country against Toronto specifically. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, my father uh, who uh, lived in Nova Scotia for most of his life, my parents were Americans who, who came here. Uh, and had their kids here. Uh they uh always referred to my dad uh referred to Toronto and I've lived here for years as Upper Canada still. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's the those, That's those harsh. rips run deep.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well I, I'd heard that the beef with uh Toronto, but I mean and I love it. I love Toronto, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But I've seen I've seen the dark side. <laughs> I tried to get my picture taken at a Blue Jays game. Oh, they have a giant Blue Jay. Yep, yeah, a mascot. And I waited in line, and I got to the front of the line. They said, yeah, this is for children." And I said, "What? What yeah. if you're in your 40s?" Yeah. They said, "You have to get a child with a childlike uh, attitude. Yeah, and enthusiasm for the game." So they shut me down hard. Really? So I wasn't crazy about Toronto in that moment. I'll yeah. tell you that. Yeah.
0: Well, you know, if you don't have rules, it's chaos. I Well, yeah, <laughs> this is true. I mean, it's just a lot to handle. I am speaking with Dave Hill. The book is called Parking the Moose, one American's epic quest to uncover his incredible Canadian roots. Uh, another uh, famous uh, Canadian, Malcolm Gladwell, calls you his idol. I could see it. Yeah, <laughs> oh.
1: <laughs> yeah. Malcolm, he's he's on the first episode of the So mm-hmm. You're Canadian podcast, and he lives in New York. We live a couple of blocks from each oh, yeah. other, so he can't avoid me really. When when we're both in New York, we run into each other, yeah. whether he likes it or not,
0: pretty much every day. And you know, when you were doing the 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 research uh, for this. You know, I I know you primarily as a as a comic, as a as a mm-hmm. comedian. Um, do you find as you've traveled across this country th- that there are differences between what makes Canadians laugh and what makes Americans laugh? Well, because you weren't performing necessarily, but you were talking no. to people and you were out in the world a little bit.
1: Well, I don't know if I cracked that, but I will say, hands down, my current favorite. TV show is Canadian show Letterkenny. Yeah, yeah. Which I think is I think it they've whatever just figure out what I, Yeah. Not that they set out to make me personally <laughs> laugh, but
0: I am so I just now I can't really watch anything else. Uh, the, Jacob Tierney, who's one of the writers and directors on that yeah. show, told me one time Uh, They were just starting. They were getting things going. And and I said, what are you working on? And he goes, well, it's this thing. It's kind of like drunk Harold Pinter Mm -hmm. is what I think. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that show,
1: I I love it so much. If anything can come of my (laughs) – if I could just have a walk-on role just – anything with it with in the up and i know they have a couple seasons in the can already but yeah i had, yeah, yep. had k trevor wilson on my so your canadian podcast a few weeks ago and uh yeah i'm a huge huge fan so yeah if i could just be a guy one guy with one line that's just i'm just putting that out in a, the a, universe a dream comes feels through. it feels doable
0: <laughs> well i you know i'm not sure if it, it, we culturally, uh, you know, we 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 share so much between Canada and America. Mm-hmm. But you know, I grew up uh, surrounded by Americans. The only Canadian, really, my brother and I, in that that sort of immediate family, mm-hmm. and and going back and forth, and, and and spending a great deal of time down there, and it really, I, and I always had just had the idea that we're just it's pretty much the same. Americans maybe are louder than low-key models in Canada, you know, that sort of thing. But other than that, you know, I thought we... But it's as I get older, I start to really... I feel a difference. I mean, I do think that we are, you know, two countries that uh, share so much and have been such good friends for, you know, forever. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, except for the little war years ago. But other than that, you know, things are okay with us. Um, But I I do think that... I, I do think that there is a difference. And I do think that Canada... Um, our, I think our humor is a little kinder and gentler. Often, you know, maybe mm-hmm. a little less obvious. And I don't mean that as a as a as a slight in, in any way. I think it's fine if it's a slight. Yeah, <laughs> because yeah. I yeah. well, I mean, you know, that might be like the
1: British influence. And I yeah. I tend to prefer British comedy over American comedy mm-hmm. uh, generally. Yeah, yeah. Though there's plenty of horrible comedy in Britain. Oh, you yeah. know, there's plenty of great, it, but It's only there, the there's good there's stuff that stuff. we get. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. Uh, unless you count Benny, Benny Hill, we got hit pretty hard with yeah. that when I was a kid. Yeah. And uh, and yeah. when I first started performing in the UK, people were going out of their way apologizing
0: for, for that <laughs> happening. I remember Benny Hill. Benny Hill was on television here just all. It must have been cheap or free or something. Yeah, someone it was just a deal in the back room somewhere. Yeah, just on all the damn time. <laughs> I've left this bookmarked here because something in the Halifax chapter made me laugh. Oh, you're – here's an example of maybe what I was talking about, sort of the cultural differences between America and Canada. And, you know, listen, do not misunderstand me. Um, I, uh, uh, I, I love Americans. I really do. I am from them. Uh-huh. I am, but this story suggested to me uh the slight difference here. So you're at the airport. someone takes your bag. you have a bag that is identical to another woman's suitcase. yeah she takes it. The flight attendants tracked that woman down, found her and got your suitcase back. and you said if this was JFK, you would just be you know told to take a hike. and maybe that's the difference, yeah, there were In things like that.
1: I mean, kind of amazingly, I had many airport experiences where uh, just stuff like that would happen. Like, yeah, the the guy tracked down, because I said, well, I have to go through customs. Yeah. Shoes. He ran after her and was like, here you go. He sorted it out. And then, you know, because a lot of the places I went to, I had to do connecting flights. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was always, something would always go wrong, and um, you know, because of whatever reason. And... They would just be like oh hang on we'll we'll call and tell them to wait for you and i was like what you're gonna tell the plane to wait and then they would walk me through and and these are all situations in america
0: i just they wouldn't i would have just been on my own Uh, but i will say too uh i was telling you before we started taping we i got married in new york and we got married Mm -hmm. uh at sardi's restaurant in new york super fun and uh, my wife looked beautiful in her gown, and I was wearing a gold LeMay suit, uh, essentially, Excellent. that I had made for the wedding and things. It was super fun. Uh, so we get married at Sardis. We have a bite to eat there, and there's there's quite a few of us. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we went down to you know do all the stuff you do. Times Square, take a picture with Elmo, go to uh, Grand Central Station. And we took some photographs there and things. Uh, but everywhere we went, because Andrea was wearing her wedding, and I guess because I was wearing this gold LeMay suit, uh, it was very odd that we had just gotten married and people were coming up and high-fiving us and hugging her and and stuff and and that's the great side of america to me you know you you couldn't we could not pay for a drink anywhere we went that day Uh you know and and that's the sort of graciousness that i love oh yeah yeah americans
1: are nice and new yorkers especially despite the reputation of new york i
0: I think you have love to be it. in New York. I love New York, and and I think though the social contract that exists in New York is there's way too many of us on this one little sliver of land, and so if we're not cool, we're it's not going to work out well for anybody. Right, right, yeah, yeah. There's
1: yeah, there's just, yeah, sort of like we're all in this together, yeah. and you know, which is one of the things. You know, I I, I love that city. Yeah. so much.
0: How long have you lived there?
1: Since two thousand three. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so,
0: how did you get banned from Twitter? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> um, well, it's hard to get banned from Twitter. Yeah, I mean, because
1: I what what happened was, well, let's start by saying I, you know, Donald Trump. Yes, I've, I've heard, heard of him. Heard, yeah. I'm not. I don't. Just to put it mildly, I'm not a fan. Right. So, um, like a lot of people, I make that known. And and what out, but what what happened was, I would. I would respond to his tweets with some some negative thing I can't repeat, right? Whatever, for many different things, and I would do it knowing that the Trump supporters would come after me, right? And then they, when they would come after me, I would respond with a mother joke right. that was like on a. 12 year old level right just completely stupid like I your
0: mother's so stupid that dot uh, do yeah, whatever it might be yeah
1: yeah right. yeah like i would just kind of take what they said and turn it into a mother joke back at them and i was suspended once for a week in november for doing it and then i cool i stopped doing it because i thought oh they may be a, uh, watching me now <laughs> uh and then Memorial Day weekend, I just kind of did it for a day to celebrate Memorial Day. I kind just did mother <laughs> jokes. The problem was, and this is, I mean, more juvenile even than the tweets themselves, is that people kept saying how much they liked it. Right. And like prominent people who, whose names I won't, I can't even say, uh, were privately messaging me saying, like, oh my gosh, I'm loving this so much. Right. And so I was like, "Oh, they like it. I'm gonna keep doing it." <laughs> you know, it's like the it's like the 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 youngest sibling like throwing right. spaghetti or whatever. You know, they know it's stupid and wrong, but the big kids all laugh, yeah. so you keep doing it. So <laughs> I was just a victim of my own uh, immaturity, basically. But so they banned me per- permanently, and. Uh, it, which is absolutely ridiculous, yeah. given you know what what is tolerated on that site, and so in principle I was upset about it, and you know I did I did appeal it, just because I thought oh maybe I need this to promote you know when yeah. I'm doing shows and things, but I have to say not being on Twitter is great, and I absolutely recommend it to. Everybody. And I'm not just saying this because I've been kicked off. Well, I but think
0: it, it, it takes a little while to realize how much of a time suck it is. Time
1: suck and just the difference between going on and just kind of reading like, you know, what does the orange idiot have to say today? <laughs> and whatever. Or even getting your news that way yeah. is because it's presented in this ugly way right out of the gate. Um and I just think it's absolutely awful, and we'll see what the long-term effects are for me not mm-hmm. being on it. But short-term, it's absolutely wonderful. And and you know, I was worried like, oh, or how will people know about this and that? But you know, I I've been selling out shows and all that, not just without Instagram. Using, you know? I'm Instagramming. Yeah. I'm Facebooking. i basically. It's like you know, when you lose one. Whatever, you go blind, you smell better. Yeah, all,
0: your scent, just, all your senses are heightened I'm in other ways. i just using other,
1: <laughs> other platforms. <laughs> but no, it's it's been great. Though it's completely ridiculous. And it's funny, I, I've appealed it sincerely, and they take a couple days to write. And it's always just form letters. But once they stopped, they kept saying, no, no, you know, it's just, no, you're permanently suspended. And then I started saying, like, well, what if I promised to just be a... Uh, a, a racist? Because you love <laughs> racists. Of course, I wouldn't do that. Yeah. But I and th- th- when I, whenever I'm sarcastic like that, they write back in two minutes and right. say, "You're suspended, <laughs> yeah. buddy. Quit joking around." But it is, it is ridiculous that actual horrible things they tolerate. And what's wrong with if we can't laugh at a mother joke?
0: What's there, wrong what, with the world? What? What's yeah? So I've saved the hard hitting stuff for the end. Here, uh, Lenny Kravitz's song. Are you gonna go my way? Apparently it gets under your skin. It does, but uh, you know, as proud of
1: I am, as proud as I am of the fact that I (laughs) was booted off Twitter, I feel really bad uh, a couple, a few years ago, whenever it was, I was asked to discuss some, I don't know if it was music that I hate or just something that I hate. Mm. And I don't like talking about things that i hate in general i want to tell people about the things that i love you know and share that stuff with them but for whatever reason that was the this whole column that was that that's what it was about and it i don't know i was probably promoting something at the time and was like well i gotta take the yeah, opportunity get my
0: name in print yeah,
1: yeah and I, I really regret it because uh i don't even someone who uh, Lenny Kravitz is certainly not going to be harmed mm-hmm. by my disdain for that song. I just—I remember because i had just gone for a run, so I was kind of amped up. had a lot of energy, right. and I really—I uh, really laid into his whole operation, and um, I, it wasn't nice. And Lenny, if you're listening. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. If I can, Like Lenny's here right now. I, Lenny, is... if I can make peace with Lenny Kravitz, if anything comes of this book aside from my walk-on roll on Letter Kenny, mm-hmm. it's making peace with Lenny Kravitz. No, but I will say I was out with my buddy Nick Flanagan at Sneaky D's. Yeah, Sneaky D's last right, night because yeah. he's like, you have to go to Sneaky D's. You got to have the nachos. I, I didn't. I, oh, dude, I screwed up. Yeah, I, I'll go back tonight. Yeah, but um, so, but that song. It ain't over till it's over yes. by Lenny Kravitz came on, and as much as I still don't like are you gonna go my way, Lenny, if you're listening, I think it ain't over till it's over is an excellent mm-hmm. song, and I have no beef with that <laughs> so and uh but I yeah, I just don't like making fun of uh
0: anyone's art well yeah, it feels uh counterproductive to me the idea that you know there we live in such a contentious time now, so why not, you know, I I went to see uh, David Burns' American Utopia. Have you seen this? I haven't. It made me, I am unabashedly unafraid to tell you that it made me cry like four times. And it did so just because it's so optimistic and so beautiful and there's not an ounce of cynicism anywhere. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we we were talking about Twitter and you're just inundated with bad news and, and, you know, People trolling you and whatever else. You turn on the news, it's all terrible. And then you go see something like American Utopia. And it just it literally lifted my spirits in a way that a show hasn't for ages. That's what we should be talking about.
1: Yeah, yeah, the good things. Because, yeah. you know, I think these are dark times, but uh, but I think hopefully, <laughs> hopefully we'll get through them and everything will be. Uh, but I don't know. We're just kind of dealing with. With things I was talking about this earlier, uh, you know, I think all the stuffs going on now is sort of like if you have a septic tank in your backyard. Uh, this, I guess, I can't say what's in the septic tank, but I think we know. But what what we know is in the septic tank. Basically, I think where we're at now, especially in America, is the septic tank has exploded and it's flooded the backyard. And we're like, well, are we gonna get this mess cleaned up or not? But the point is that it was always in your backyard. It was just in the tank. We, it was contained. But now it's everywhere, and it's it's uh, it's flooding the basement. And I hope we don't have to move. But um, so
0: that's kind of what I think. Let's get the septic. Hang- let's get it fixed. <laughs> that's that's a great slogan for 2021. Uh, Dave Hill has been in studio. He's my guest. Little Lady Crabbers Oh, Yeah, uh, that song's gorgeous. Yeah, yeah, more of that, carriers. that's all I ask. Yeah. Parking the Moose is the book. Dave Hill's the author. Uh, one American's epic quest to uncover his incredible Canadian roots. Dave, thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Andre, thanks uh, for working the board for us. And most of all, thanks to you for listening. We'll talk again next time. That's it.